0: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of BAM's Radio. Uh, if you may have noticed, I am not, in fact, Drudy Armand. He's a little under the weather and uh, there's something that's not so great about nasally podcasting. I, I have never, ever thought of such things. But... I do have William with us, William Redfish Barger. I'm going to see if I can do Drew's intro. Uh, member of the Crimson Tide from 89 to 92, a national champion, former Alabama football player, William Redfish Barger. How are you going this afternoon, William? Doing great, Thomas. How about you, buddy? Well, I, I nailed your intro. I don't, have, I don't have you throwing things at me, so I'm pretty good. And we do have someone stepping in for Drew, and it was kind of on short notice, so I want to thank this person ahead of time. But uh, I'm going to introduce Hampton Sipper. Hampton is a member of the Pigskin Cafe podcast. Hampton, how's it going this afternoon?
1: It's going great, Thomas. I am uh, appreciate the opportunity to come on BAMS Radio, Longtime listener, before I even knew you. So excited to talk a little Alabama football with y'all and appreciate the opportunity.
0: Well, thank you for for making the time this afternoon. I know that, you know, Drew really took it. I think he had some like some nasal stuff and he's just like, I can't do it. So I was like, oh, oh, okay. well, let's let's who do I know that I can get in short notice and you stepped up. So I really appreciate it. You know, a lot of the stuff. Yeah. yeah, And as I say, a lot of the stuff we're going to talk about today. If you listen to our last episode, we did not really focus on Michigan. Frankly, it was about an hour and 15 minutes of revelry that Alabama beat Georgia, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with said revelry, happy days, and making the college football playoff. But a lot of what we're going to talk about today is early impressions of the Michigan Wolverines, a little bit of recruiting with the first signing day coming up, and I think Hampton and I are going to get into a bit of a squabble about Alabama basketball. So something to look forward to with that. But, you know, we were talking before I started the recording, and I've been doing my statistical thing when it comes to football. And if you look at Alabama versus Michigan, the statistical profiles of this these two teams are pretty doggone similar. The offenses are within you know 20 yards one way or the other in multiple different categories. The defenses, Michigan is ahead of the curve that they're they're a better defense statistically than Alabama, but a lot of Michigan's defensive statistics have been made against. Uh, what did I say they played earlier this year? A grapefruit and a volleyball? Well, add a tomato can to that because they're like eight or nine of the offenses they've played are like bottom 80 offenses. So there's there's a little more to that. But, you know, you know spoiler alert for our uh, listeners, we're bringing this up, talking about it before we start recording. And William says, Thomas, you're wrong. And I'm going to tell you why. That should be where we go first. And when a national champion tells you that's where we're going first, you <laughs> damn sure listen. So, William, pull me back off the ledge because I know you've been looking into the Wolverines as well.
2: Well, I mean, you know, everybody wants to talk about their defense uh, first and foremost, and, and let me say this. Um, I can't remember uh, – I know I'm old enough to be both of your dads, maybe even Hampton's granddad. Um, <laughs> there's only one football game. Well, there was there was a second when I was close to turning it off. That was the Alabama versus South Florida game, but the only football game that I turned off this year was against two of Michigan's uh, opponents, and it was like watching a battle of you know who, who's the biggest retard because um, I've not seen a worse display of offensive football since I was playing for Alabama and we were that guy, than the 2023 Penn State versus Ohio State game. I mean, that, that just, you know, was was, was like watching, uh, you know, paint dry on a fire hydrant. It was so bad. Um, so, you know, I, I think Michigan th- – there's there's two things here, Thomas, in, in my Michigan research, which is still ongoing. But here's, here's two reasons why I think – well, actually three. Three reasons why I think Michigan is behind the eight ball on this game. Um, there, there's there's some evidence out there from the ESPN side, uh, the the how much money has been placed on Bammer in Vegas for this game. But I'm going to stick to something that I know something about. The first one is um, the you know the recruiting network two four seven. Has and I, and I think this is a very big uh, sticking point. You know, they have something that they call the two four seven talent database, I, and that may not be the right name, Hampton. If you can correct me, go right ahead. Um, but, I think but what they the do talent, is the they, talent
0: composite. I'm sorry,
2: composite. There you go, Thomas. Yep, that's correct. And, and Hashtag so what producer. this does. Yes, and, and so what this does is it it takes. You know, and I hate to put a lot of emphasis on, you know, some people, you know, this is the same company that thought Tommy Brockermeyer was a three and done first round draft pick (laughs) as a left tackle three years ago too. So I want that caveat thrown in, Um, you know, uh, when you have a five foot four, you know, Oriental guy doing O-line evaluations for you, you may not know what the hell you're talking about. Um, So, if you look at that thing and, and, you know, it came out before the season started and I looked at it and I was like, wow, you know, there's even, you know, Alabama's number one and, and, and Georgia's number two, but they're kind of a distant number two. Um, you know, and that may change in the next three to five years, but I was shocked at, you know, just on paper comparing star power to star power that Alabama held a significant, um, you know, talent advantage per two four seven. But as we sit here today, and I don't even know if they've updated it, you know, throughout the course of the season, or if it's still the same one from late August. But Alabama checks in at number one, and the Wolverines check in at number fourteen. Um, so you know, you know, Thomas, if you want to put this into a, uh, you know, an algorithm, um. We kind of saw um, a little bit of that talent advantage, um, you know, come to the surface last weekend in the SEC championship game, uh, specifically on both sides of the line of scrimmage, in my opinion. But, But that's a monumental talent differential on paper. Now, you can make the counterpoint, well, yes, but Michigan is undefeated and they're the favorite in this game. And, that's when I want to start talking to you about strength of schedule. Um, the, the the strength of schedule is absolutely astronomical between the two teams as they go into this game. Um, and and it's, it's you know, I'll add a third layer to this onion that we're peeling back, you know, and, and I'm scared to death. I mean, I don't want to wish bad on the young man, even though I think he could probably make, two to three million in NIL money if he does decide to come back. Um, But, you know, if, if Terry on Arnold plays the next two ball games, um, the way he played the month of November at cornerback, he's not coming back. You know, he's, he's a, you know, right now, let's just call it the, the mock NFL drafts that have come out since the SEC championship game. He's anywhere from a top 10 pick to a late first-round draft pick. And, you know, these are all, you know, guys that, you know, none of them even played football in the NFL that throw mud at a wall and hope it sticks. But, unfortunately, in this particular case, as it pertains to Terrion Arnold, um, I think there's a better chance that he continues the trend that he's been on. And he's probably not coming back. Um, so let's just say that he doesn't and he enters the draft. You know, as it stands right now today, you know, Alabama's got four potential first-round draft picks on their roster. Michigan's got zero. So in, in a nutshell, from a real-world perspective, as, as you roll all this stuff up in a ball, um, I don't think Michigan has the capability of going best on best in their bowl preparation for the Alabama game where they can give both sides of the ball a legitimate look compared to the athleticism and the talent they're going to come up against, you know, as, as the, the, the name Alabama pertains. Um, and, and it's certainly not going to be an offense like they saw from Iowa or Penn State. Um, you know, ESPN came out with their bowl predictions and scores – um, earlier this week, and they've got Alabama winning by 10. Um, I think they got the double-digit part of it correctly, but I'm not sure it's going to be 10. I think it's going to be north of that.
0: Whew. So so I'm going to add a little color, Hampton, before I kick it to you, and you know we can go stats or just your initial impressions of Michigan. Uh, strength of schedule-wise, uh, Alabama was fifth as of right now. They are fifth as of right now. The Michigan Wolverines are 33rd, and that's a pretty significant difference. To underscore the talent composite, Alabama is first with uh, 18 five-star players and 56 four-star players. Michigan is 14th with two five-star players and 45 uh, four-star players. And then, you know, you fill in with two-star, like, kicker, like, specialists and whatnot, or three-stars. That's how – that's how – roster building works and when you look at that that that, that's a significant difference but you know Hampton I don't want to steal your thunder because I, I, I have some thoughts on what William said and I can explain some statistical stuff in a bit but William you know I know it's been a week since Alabama beat Georgia and you know FSU got hosed no they didn't uh, so, what what's been your impression of this Michigan team as you started to sort of break them down, and what we've saw, what we've seen throughout this year from those guys? Well, I mean, it's 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 kind of. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, Hampton. Go ahead. I thought he was addressing that to me. No, sorry, William. No, that's okay. Go ahead. You're Hampton.
1: good. You're good. Um, no, I was just going to say, I think William made um, a couple of really really good points. I think the talent disparity, looking at the recruiting rankings. It definitely does play a factor. I think that Alabama, from across the board at almost every position, especially um, offensively at the skill positions, are far superior to that of Michigan. Um, I think the strength of schedule argument is also very interesting because that 33rd strength of schedule ranking is heavily inflated by – Michigan playing Penn State and Ohio State. And I don't know about you two gentlemen, but I watched that Penn State game and Drew Aller against uh, Michigan and against Ohio State was arguably the worst quarterback I've seen this year. And I watched lacrosse player Tyler Buckner play against South Florida. Drew Aller was awful in both of those matchups and especially against Michigan. And the way that Michigan beat them was J.J. McCarthy going 7 of 8 for 60 yards and then running the ball 32 times in a row. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I don't think they're going to be able to beat Alabama by running the ball 32 times in a row and expect to have a chance. And, yes, their defense played really well against Penn State, but, again, Penn State is very one-dimensional, especially when Aller was playing as terrible as he was, um, and then when they played Ohio State, you know, I think we can all agree that Ohio State is a very talented team, probably in that composite um, ranking from 247. They're probably top five, maybe even top three. They might be right behind Georgia.
0: They're third, three points behind they're Georgia. Third. Yeah. Basically, behind Georgia. basically, 11 four stars don't outrank three less five stars, mm-hmm. is if I'm doing the math right. But it's, it's within a spitting distance. But please go ahead.
1: No, gotcha. No, I think that's a great added context. But while Ohio State it was a very talented football team, their defense is much improved with some of the guys they have on that side of the ball. And then Marvin Harrison on offense, Travion Henderson, at running back, very talented team. But with Kyle Honda, at quarterback, who has now, I mean, I don't know about y'all, but I was so surprised to see him basically – escorted into the portal or encouraged to go in the portal by Ohio state, because um, I think they were not over overly impressed with his performance this year. Those are their two big wins of the year. And I think Ohio state, while very talented, is not the same Ohio state that um, we've seen as far as on the offensive end. And yet they were able to generate some yards and points, really throwing the ball and attacking vertically down the field. Um, I know Michigan has a really good corner. Um, I believe his name is Will Johnson and he kind of followed Marvin Harrison around and made it tough on him um, but he, st- I mean, he still got his yards and they're, they were able to kind of limit their running game with their front four which I think is very effective but they have not faced a team that has the speed, the athleticism and really the guys in the trenches, um, you know the swamp monster as you all have uh, lovingly coined Jaden Roberts. They don't have a. They haven't faced a Tyler Booker, a J.C. Latham, a Caden Proctor who has really come into his own. And I think Alabama is going to have success running the ball because we saw what they did to that Georgia defensive line. But I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities in the passing game because, simply put, against Penn State and Ohio State, there were opportunities down the field but Aller and McCord cannot consistently make them pay for that. And I think Jalen Milrow is better equipped to do that uh, than those two guys. So it's going to be a very fun matchup uh, to see kind of how Alabama chooses to attack that Michigan defense. And then um, the Alabama defense, I think is well-suited to stymie the Michigan offense that is very run dependent as evidenced by, them only having one passing touchdown in the past five games. That is simply not how you're going to beat Alabama. So I think they're very well equipped to um, stop them on that side of the ball as well.
0: Well, and I think there's something to that, Hampton. And I want to give a little more color. Again, that's kind of my job as the host is to give some color. I have a couple of thoughts of my own. The, the thing about it is when I look at these two teams, um, one thing y'all did not bring up, that I think is important is health. The Michigan offensive line has only given up, you know, 18, I believe, sacks on the year, 13, some very small number, particularly compared to Alabama. And that, you know, Alabama gave up 43 for fans playing the home game, but Michigan's offensive line has only given up 18. But unfortunately, in the Ohio State game, uh, Zach Zintler, I don't want to ruin his last name, but I feel like I just did, uh well, I thought it was Minter but go ahead. Yeah. It, you know, it's just one of those things. He 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 had a devastating season-ending injury, you know, air cast and everything. And he was their best offensive lineman. I mean, he's a consensus all-American type player. And you saw against Iowa in the Big 10 Championship game that the Wolverines had three offensive linemen playing out of position as they tried to find the best five without this young man on the offensive line. Well, of course they're going to be 15 bowl practices for Michigan to figure that out moving forward but you know, you have to feel confident if you're Alabama because Alabama really did just out physical on both sides of the ball, the Georgia Bulldogs. Can Michigan be in the same orbit? Okay, potentially But but guys, come on. Georgia has been the, phys- the physicality standard for at least the past couple of years, as Alabama has mm-hmm. gotten a little too cute. So, the other part of this health discussion, though, is really on the Alabama defense. Deontay Lawson has been in and out of the lineup, and don't get it twisted, Deontay Lawson's Alabama's best linebacker. You know, you, Jihad Campbell's had a great season, but Deontay Lawson is the best right now. Uh, and you've had mm-hmm. beat up, offensive beat up defensive linemen and it's just the season grind you play a top five strength of schedule you're going to get pushed constantly so the Alabama defense that you see in the Rose Bowl is going to be really the best version of itself and I don't know if Michigan's going to be there the final point I want to add some color to both of y'all's talent point is it's it's an elite football it's the I call it the elite football team problem and generally when you have a truly elite football team, like a football team that has top five talent, you have like a, a, a gear, like another gear that not every team has. And it goes something mm-hmm. like this. The game's going to get going. Everybody's going to start punching each other because that's how a football game works. And, you know, the, Alabama's a perfect example. Georgia goes down and drives Alabama, scores a quick touchdown. And, oh, my, you know, Georgia fans are euphoric. We're going to win the third national title. And, you know, Kirby's better than Nick and, you know, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, Alabama's like, okay, let's play. And Georgia proceeds to do nothing until, like, near the end of the third quarter in that game offensively. I mean, just an utter disaster for the Georgia, offensive, the Georgia offense. And thank you for hiring Mike Bobo. That was the worst. Worst coordinator hire in the SEC this year, and it's not particularly close. But I digress. The point is, you know, Alabama's like, okay, we're going to have to hit another gear. Let's go hit the other gear and play football. That's what elite teams do. They get punched, and they're like, all right, let's see if you can sustain through this set of circumstances, and we're going to hit you back. And if you hit us again, we're going to keep coming harder, so on and so forth. I don't know if Michigan's have that. Because the one little piece of adversity they really faced was a brief, very, very brief trouble with a Maryland team that's not very good in Ohio State. Yeah, 7-5 Maryland team. Thank you, Hampton. And the, and more than the 7-5 Maryland and a little bit of back and forth in the game with Ohio State. But otherwise, it's just been clear sailing. So I don't know if Michigan's got that gear that I think they need. But so, William, I want to get a player's perspective on that, though. You know, if you're in a game and you've got the talent advantage, is it, you know, do you just keep elevating your play if you can? Or what would that look like, you know, on the field if Al- when Alabama plays Michigan? What, was that gonna, what is that going to feel like according, from what you see?
2: Well, I mean, I, you know, the first thing, you know, Thomas, when I look at a game, I I always start and stop with who's going to win the line of scrimmage, and you know in this particular matchup, um, you know those Rust Belt pollocks from Ann Arbor have not seen the level of athleticism from a front seven that they're going to see, like they're they're going to see against Alabama. Alabama has, in what I consider the best conference in college football three of the top 10 best pass rushers from a stack, uh, a sack output in Dallas Turner Chris Braswell and Justin Abobi and as a matter of fact they've got three of them in the top six in the sacks uh, category uh, for the SEC I know everybody talks about Texas A&M and you know, Mississippi State's got a little flavor in this category, but there, there's nobody else in the SEC that has three guys in the top six. So, you know, you've got the best edge rushing tandem in college football in, in Braswell and Turner. And, and you know, we've all seen over, you know, the last two years how quickly Dallas Turner, whether it's legal or not, can turn the lights out on a quarterback. You know, he did it in Quinn <laughs> Ewers two years ago. know, he did it to Jaden Daniels this year. He tried to do it to Jackson Dart two years ago, but, you know, he he didn't quite finish the job. But, you know, to have a guy on the interior of that defensive line, which I don't think Alabama has had, and I'm not trying to say that 2023 Justin Abogbe is, you know, 2018 Quinn and Williams, but it's pretty damn good. That's a tough Mm -hmm. matchup for your, you know, common variety um, offensive guard to have to deal with. So, you know, we've talked about this on the show before, you know, when you you start diagramming the, you know, helpless feeling of, of an offensive line, a quarterback, and the running back, you know, trying to put or slow down an elite pass rush. An elite pass rush is constructed in two ways. You want to collapse the exterior of the pocket from the outside in with your edge rushers, and if you've got, you know, if you ever have two guys that can do this, you know, more power to you, but nine times out of ten, you're lucky to have one guy that can do this. So once the outside of that pocket gets condensed, what does the quarterback do? He steps up in the pocket.
1: And, that, mm-hmm. and that's
2: what made Quentin Williams so lethal when he was at Alabama is those interior guys in a, you know, obvious, you know, pass rushing situation, their responsibility is to condense the depth of the pocket. So when that quarterback does step up, because Dallas Turner and Chris Braswell have beaten the left tackle and the right tackle, but, but there's, you know, room to step up into that's where Justin Abogbe is turned into a dangerous weapon, you know, in that rabbit, cheetah, whatever big cat, you know, label they put on this year's team, Um, you know, Abogbe's there to, you know, to clean that mess up. And, And, you know, that, that is a very, very difficult task to ask of a college offensive line. It's difficult to ask an NFL offensive line to defeat those two factors when, It's getting condensed down from the outside. The quarterback has to step up. And that depth of the pocket from the center to where the quarterback gets the snap put in his hand. And God knows Jalen Milrow doesn't get it put into the hand all that much from Seth McLaughlin. But, (laughs) you know, Thomas, this, this is what it boils down to. And I'll be more than happy to come back on this show Uh, two years from now, and eat my plate of crow. Um, Alabama has four first-round draft picks on their offensive line. The only one that is an obvious non-first-round draft pick is the Mm -hmm. low-snapping, right, you know, cast snapping Seth McLaughlin. Those other four cats
0: are all swamp
2: monsters. So, good luck with that, Michigan.
0: Oh, wow. Four swamp monsters. We, can, we, we need to have, we need to start uh, merchandising to our Patreon. You know, the swamp <laughs> monsters. That sounds like a plan. But They're multi-plan. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we can rebuild them. So, <laughs> so you know, and it's interesting that you say, you know, first off, Plate of Crow, have to shout out, we still have some crow for all the Holman Wiggins haters. we have been in the deep freeze, so I don't know what microwave crow tastes like, and we just ran out of hot sauce, so if you ain't got your plate, well, sorry, gotta come get it we we still we're still passing it out because Lord knows I took some heat about it, but you know hampton <laughs> as we're as as we're passing out crow and laughing about some of this, the one thing we haven't really discussed you know we've kind of been bagging on the Michigan offense, and I think the Michigan offense has some legitimate scaling problems like uh, i really, it' it looks pretty rough. But we haven't really talked about this Alabama offense outside of the offensive line being really, really good for the Crimson Tide. You know, one of the things we saw when Alabama had a bye week heading into LSU was, frankly, an evolution of Mm -hmm. the offense. I I thought, first off, LSU's defense is so, so, so very bad. Uh, it, it, It blows my mind that Jaden Daniels is putting up essentially Joe Burrow clone statistics, if not a little bit better than what Joe Burrow did. I mean, literally look at it. He's within like 100 yards, and he didn't play in the SEC championship game, Mm
1: -hmm. which is
0: mind-blowing that you couldn't get that guy to a title game because your defense is so flaming bad. But neither here nor there. We saw an evolution of the Alabama offense, In that bye week, you know, figured out some things that Miller was comfortable with, yada, yada, yada. Best offensive output, I would argue, of the season against a non tomato can competition. What sort of expectation do you have in terms of offensive adjustments or, you know, even offensive crispness as Alabama really, you know, finals week is this week. And then Christmas time and bowl prep, you know, what do you see on that side of the ball?
1: Yeah, I'm actually glad you brought this up because when when you set it up with, you know, we haven't talked much about the Alabama offense. I was actually going to bring up the transformation that happened the last time that Alabama had a break uh, between games, and I think you're going to see a similar type development in the offense, maybe a few more wrinkles involved, but also an improvement with how Jalen Milrow is playing. Because yes, he played well in the second half against Tennessee. But part of that was because Alabama chose not to really throw the ball. I think they only threw it six or seven times in that second half. A lot of it was unleashing him in the run game and really the offensive line asserting their will on the Tennessee defensive line. But when the LSU game came around, um, the deep ball was not there for Jalen Milroe, but he attacked in different ways. Um, He was good out of structure keeping plays alive, looking downfield, but he was also much better in the intermediate passing game. And then he was decisive when um, the opportunity presented itself to run. And I think against Georgia, I think we can kind of all agree that a little bit of the tentative, tentativeness, um, the less decisive choices in running, you know, taking off and run and even – you know, taking some of the gimme throws that Georgia was giving them and and looking for the big play downfield, I feel like some of those early season issues kind of came back a little bit against Georgia. Now, obviously, when the game was on the line, those final two drives, he was fantastic. He answered the bell. But that game would not have been close if he had played much, you know, been playing kind of like he had been playing – Um, from second half of Tennessee on. So I say that to say, with this time off, I think Jalen can do another bit or another round of, like, self-reflection, him and Tommy Reese kind of talking over what are some things that I can improve on, what are some things that I can get better at. And I think now knowing that you've only got, you know, you're only guaranteed one game left, two at the most, there shouldn't be a – oh, I'm not going to take off and run because I may get hurt. This is the time where you do everything you can because it's an elimination game. Um, And so I think Tommy is going to employ him a lot more in the QB run game, which we saw come to fruition in the biggest points of the Georgia game. I think there's going to be more 13 personnel, which is I think is something that Alabama did um, in the Georgia game a good bit and had – Um, a lot of success running the ball, especially um, with uh, not, you know, they had Dupree out there, they had Oops, um, and they had Nye Black. And there's a lot of things that you can do in the run game out of that, but with a weapon like Nye Black, um, I'm interested to kind of see what Tommy um, comes up with and how he can attack from that formation. Um, And then the other thing I think is just getting the ball in the hands of your playmakers and really – Um, exposing not exposing but displaying the speed of our receivers that they probably haven't seen other than you know a guy like Marvin Harrison and that crop of receivers I think Alabama can find matchups um, through you know through motion through exploiting mismatches and uh, really take advantage of some opportunities downfield so that would be kind of um, what I think the Alabama offense can do and then continue to a searcher will up front and run the ball. And, you know, by the third or fourth quarter have those big guys on Michigan huffing and puffing and make them quit. Like we used to do back in the, in, uh, you know, the Oh nines, the 11s the 12s, and kind of like we did um, against Georgia.
0: Well, I want to reemphasize a point. And I have been one of the, one of the folks that is not high on Jalen Milroe. I'm still not. I think he's become a much better quarterback with repetitions. But mm-hmm. a lot of what Milroe needs to do as a quarterback is take the stuff that's in front of you. And the point yep. I really want to reemphasize is Hampton, to your point, the, the notion of if Milroe is able to do a couple of things just half step better, you know, read the field a little bit better, not just lock in and I'm going to almost seemingly, and I I don't want to put this on the guy because that's not fair, but seemingly decide before the snap that I'm going to launch the ball to Jermaine Burton and burn it down. You know, if he can just see the field a little bit better because Reese has been doing a ton of crossers that let Alabama wide receivers use short area quickness to get open. You know, Mm if Miller takes advantage of that, this offense turns almost into a, A better form of what Georgia wants to do, where it's an efficiency monster. Now, Milro can still take his shots, but it's just a little bit, you know, we're talking a half step here. And you're absolutely right. If he had been able to do that against Georgia, man, you're talking that could have gotten kind of nasty because the Alabama defense was playing out of its mind that day. Mm-hmm. But, but, you know, William, you know, Hampson and I are kind of talking about the Alabama offense and you've heaped praise on the Alabama offensive line. And trust me, I'll be in line two with the crow if we're both wrong, but I don't think we are in terms of how talented the offensive line group is. But let me ask you, you know, what evolution do you want to see from this Alabama group? And I realize we still have some time to go, but you know, what do you, what would you, you know, William Bargers, talk, we're having this show January the 2nd. What do you want to see from this group? After, what would you like to have seen in the Rose Bowl?
2: Well, I mean, first of all, I've already seen it. And, and you know, guys, I lived pretty much this same locker room situation in 1991 um, that the 2023 team went through. Um, that was a broken-ass team from a chemistry standpoint that emerged from that mud bowl um, after South Florida. It was obvious that the locker room was divided um, Mm -hmm. as to who the starting quarterback needed to be. Um, And, 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 you know, in in, in some phases of, you know, my critical thinking, I I can understand that. But, you know, it it was, you know, Jalen Milrow versus Ty Simpson – no different than in uh, the, the clutches of a, a complete ass beating um, at the Swamp uh, in, in uh, September of 1991 that I went through with Danny Woodson versus Jay Barker. And th- that, that does weigh heavily on a, on a, on a football team. And, and so, you know, I know exactly where that team was when they emerged from that flood bowl. And I totally agree with what one of y'all just said. I, th- I think the turning point was whatever in the hell that Nick Saban said to the team at halftime of the Tennessee game. Um, what you saw emerge in the second half of that game, has it, it, it's, it's what's led this team, you know, and, and I really don't care about the, the outside noise, you know, that that people have brought in, you know, oh yeah, you, you know, you knocked out the LSU quarterback. Had you not done that, you know, they'd have come back. Bullshit. The game was over with when he when he got knocked out. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, then you had the damn hail Mary versus Auburn. Sorry, guys, throwing a freaking dart, you know, uh, uh, from the thirty five forty yard line ain't a hail Mary. And and then you get the commentary of, well, you know, if, if Isaiah bonds, you know, so-called drop would have been reviewed and um, you know, that, you know, the dink on the, on the field goal. No, if Alabama catches just one or two of those damn interceptions that hit yep. them right in the damn face, that game's got a totally different flavor to it. Um, you know, And I get it. I'm biased and I look through some Bammer colored glasses. But when everybody started attacking Tommy Reese after that South Florida game, and they're like, oh, he's trash. He can't do this. He can't do that. You know, my response was do you realize how difficult it is to be a play caller when you've got a quarterback that's mentally crippled at that point, not to his own fault. And then you've got an offensive line that can't run block or pass block at a SEC level. I mean, you know, I don't care how much you're paying me, coach. That that's a tough damn job. If I've got Mm -hmm. an offensive line that can't pass block, run block uh run block, and I've got a quarterback that's just mentally crippled um because he's scared to make a mistake. But whichever one of y'all touched on the second half performance against Tennessee. And I have a friend that has a friend that's on that Alabama coaching staff. And the response that he gave to me seven to 10 days after the game that was over with from what the coach said, and I mean, Nick Saban, um, you know, the guy makes a million dollars a year, but he was so tickled and so happy that mean Nick showed back up at halftime of that Tennessee versus Alabama game and dog cussed him until hell wouldn't have it in front of the whole team. And, and you know what the coach's response was? Y'all pay me $1 million a year to get dog cussed like that. I'm so happy.
0: <laughs> well. And it certainly was a uh, certainly it's been inspired since then. And I'm here for it, but you know, there's going to be plenty more time to talk about Michigan. I think we're going to get a better idea of, you know, what comes out in those first press conferences, which aren't going to be for at least another week. I know down here in mobile, our local university, the university of South Alabama, it's finals week this week. And, Graduation this upcoming Friday, or maybe finals were last week. I don't know. I know graduation's Friday. That's as far as I got. And basically every major university system on a semester schedule is staring finals and graduation in the face. And yes, even though student-athletes is an antiquated term because you're employees now, because you took the money, uh, you do have to take finals. You do actually come here to play school. But in the interim of that time, one of the big things coming up is recruiting. Now, I will say ahead of time that I am not a recruiting guy. I think it's wonderful and happy if you have 5 stars in front of your name. I think it's wonderful and happy if you have 4 stars in front of your name. Just come in and compete and do good things. I, you know, it, it it means less it means less than nothing to me cuz I've seen so many 5-star flameouts. So, mm-hmm. I have a question for you Hampton and it's actually a two-parter. One, mm-hmm does Ryan Williams stick at Alabama? Because I think that's one of the – look, If it's come to my attention. It's come to everyone's attention in this damn business. So does Ryan Williams stick at Alabama? And, and what do you think of this Javian and Hilson commitment from down in uh, Florida that Alabama got late last week?
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, before I answer those, I did want to mention uh, another wrinkle that I want to see for the offense – More Kendrick Wall. I was kind of shocked with how limited we used him in the Georgia game. I want more packages with him, uh, more two-back sets with him. I think that can really um, expose a lot of matchup issues for Michigan. So that would be one. And then um, I really love the matchup that Alabama secondary is going to have with that Michigan receiver core because I don't think they have any true difference makers at that position other than Roman Wilson, who is their leading receiver, but now to your question, I just felt like I had to get that out. But uh, to your question, hey Thomas,
2: hey Thomas, Uh-oh, we're let back. me let me interrupt real quick.
0: Uh oh, we got. Uh, I don't sense. know who
2: this Hampton. I don't know who this Hampton kid is, but <laughs> he just brought up my number one complaint for the whole damn season. Uh-oh. And I love Tommy Reese. I love the way he's developed. <laughs> but yes, 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 Hampton. I want to see more of Kendrick Law, by God, brother. Go on. Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) Hey, and the congregation said amen. Absolutely. (laughs) I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. Um, With Ryan Williams, I 100% think he is staying. Um, The guys at Bama Online have pretty much been of that same thinking um, for months now. And with the announcement that he is going to have tomorrow – um, at 9 a.m., I believe he is going to announce that he is reclassifying and will enroll in 2024 20, um, at the University of Alabama. He was on, at a, on a visit yesterday after losing in the state title game against Sarah Land, uh, or not against Sarah Land, against Clay Chalkville on Friday night. So um, I think he's sticking, and I think – I I try not to use hyperbole and not try to, to put too much on these kids out of high school, but I said it about Caleb Downs last year. I thought he was going to be a day one instant impact starter. He's exceeded every one of my expectations. And while Alabama's receiving core, I think is looks very promising for next year. I could see Ryan Williams coming in day one and contributing. I think he is that special. He is that talented. He is one of the best, um, receiving prospects coming out of high school that I've seen in a very long time Um, with the Hilton kid that committed on Friday night. I don't know too much about him. Um, I do know it was kind of a surprise commitment. He announced after he won um, his state championship game, but uh, he's the number two edge in the country behind Zion Grady. And uh, I think he has a lot of tools, a lot of measurables that, coaching Seth likes I think he can he's explosive um, and it's a good get and a really strong start to that 2025 class um, that I think can be more similar to 2023 um, than 2024 for Alabama I think there's a I mean because 2024 overall is kind of a down year um, across the nation as far as talent goes um, but 2025 is looking really 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 good
0: and William, I know you're pretty well plugged into the recruiting rank, the recruiting world. Let me ask you: Does Ryan Williams stick for the Alabama Crimson Tide?
2: You know, Thomas, he's going to have to turn down a ton of money um, to stick. I, I know for a fact. I've got a, a a close, you know, friend of mine that was a, you know, pretty average. Auburn offensive lineman that ended up playing
1: 15
2: years um, in the NFL. And the yellow man has gotten involved in uh, the Ryan Williams recruitment, and and for good reason. I mean, we're talking about a generational talent. I mean, Ryan Williams is Jalen Waddell 2.0. Um, when when he catches the football on a uh, tunnel screen, uh, you know at the high school level, and, and you know th- this isn't going to happen at the SEC level, but it does at the high school level. I mean the separation that that young man creates is just off the charts. But mm-hmm. I do think just like Hampton does, um, I, I think Alabama survives the the money grab. Um, you know, from Auburn. Um, I, I think he he stays, you know, you, you got one year of, uh, you know, Jalen Milrow, and then, and then you got, you know, maybe, and I hope he does stay. I, you know, I don't know if he does or not. I don't know if the, you know, the starter in, in 2025 is going to be, you know, Ty Simpson or Julian Sane, but Either way, you know, and I think that goes back to, um, you know, we haven't heaped enough praise on Tommy Reese. Um, you know, l- look at the progress the offense has made throughout, um, you know, the 2023 20, uh, season. And, yes, you know, has Jalen Milrow gotten better? Sure, yes. But so so's Ty Simpson. I mean, he he looks totally different now when when he comes into games than he did in September. So, obviously, that guy, you know, despite his age and and experience level, I mean, I think Alabama, like, really upgraded this year on their coordinator hires. You know, whether it was Mm -hmm. Tommy Reese or Kevin Steele or, you know, Gary Walker Jr., you know, working with the uh, the defensive line, Um, but I, I think what really excites me the most, Thomas, is, you know, my goal for this year was to knock off Georgia. So you know, they've knocked them off. Everything else going forward is gravy, and. I I completely admit that I've kind of moved on and I'm starting to look at what I think the, the 2024 version of Alabama football is going to look like because it's going to be a scary schedule. Um, I mean, I I appreciate the fact that, you know, we have Oklahoma um, versus, you know, having to get a SART coach team from Texas.
1: But Mm
2: -hmm. I mean, you know, that that that's, that that's might even be worth a whole damn show is talking about what this, you know, 12-team playoff schedule affords a team when you start talking about the 2024 schedule for all the SEC teams.
0: Well, and I can – I won't – we don't have to go into it right this second. But essentially, if there was a 12-team playoff this year, you're having – you know, Ole Miss, who got absolutely blasted by Georgia and lost, by Alabama, lost to Alabama by two scores. That's two losses. They're in. Uh, you know, Alabama's in no matter what after the SEC title game. And uh, Missouri is in. And, frankly, outside of Alabama, Missouri gave Georgia the best game they had. So Sure did. And, and you know, suddenly now, now this this would be a lot of fun. Um, I, I would just love to have the debate, even though it would really, really drive people nuts. You know, d- does LSU get in with three losses? Because they'd be right on the cusp of where they'd need to be. Now, mm-hmm. frankly, I would love to see it just because I think that LSU offense would absolutely shell. Like, th- th- that would be one of those teams in a 6-11 match or a 5-12 match that you're just screaming, like like Florida State seeing LSU again now would just be screaming. For, for, it would be four quarters of angry screaming, and that's pretty much it. But we can certainly talk about what it would look like. I think it would be interesting if we went back and looked at the last 12 or looked at the college football playoff era and go over some of the juicier matchups. Uh, let me just spoiler alert, fans, we don't have to go down this path. I don't really care if there are rematches at this point because, I mean, odds on this year, if, if I was a betting man – you have Bama Texas rematch for the national title this year because Lordy mercy, do I think Texas is going to do evil evil things to that uh, Washington team but you know, Thomas Thomas yes, that's that's the best
2: that's the best I wouldn't say team, but that's the best front seven I've seen all year, but one thing I would like to point out is why I was never a Carson Beck fan. Um against the two best defenses that he played in twenty twenty three, Carson Beck had more turnovers versus
0: completions in the passing game. You mean Mike versus and Penix? Auburn and
2: Alabama. Oh
0: okay, gotcha. Sorry. I wanted yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Go ahead.
2: Yeah. Got no, me. I just wanted to point that out. I mean, everybody thought, you know, a month ago, oh, God, it's, you know, Jalen Milrow versus Carson Beck. And, you know, Carson Beck's this elite, you know, QB prodigy. Oh, hell no, he's not. Um, Against the two best defenses he played all year, he had two turnovers more than he did passing touchdowns.
0: Mm -hmm. that's a damning stat that that's stat of the day that that's that's wild and so so let me ask you william uh, i don't and this might just be a rumor but you know we can have fun with it is he getting his four million to stay at georgia (laughs) (laughs) hell no we're not (laughs) gonna pay him that (laughs) (laughs) well for that that, that's gonna be that's gonna be the wild part of all of this where you've had a couple of years of transfer portal and the numbers keep going up and, I mean, the transport portal is just going to be a renegotiation tactic for a lot of these players, which is pretty mm-hmm. wild. But we'll see. It'll be fun. Um, I'm glad that's Hi. not – go ahead, Hampton. I'm sorry.
1: Um, no, go ahead, Thomas. I, I was going to ask a recruiting question for William.
0: Oh, no, go ahead. Dive in. I, 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 either, we're, ask your question, then we'll kick the basketball, and we'll get on out of here.
1: I love it. Love it. So William, are there is there any smoke to the rumors of Perry Thompson potentially flipping back to Alabama? Because that has been all over Twitter, all over message boards, and I have a hard time believing it. Um, and I think Perry's a good player. I'm not. I, w- I didn't fret when he decommitted. It would just be so freaking funny <laughs> if he did flip back to Alabama at this point.
2: I mean, Hampton. I I wish I could give you the satisfaction that you're looking for, which I can't. But I will tell (laughs) you this. um, You know, I I think the the biggest, you know, win for both programs is getting Ryan Williams. Um, You know, if you split it after that, it's, you know, Alabama getting, you know, Perry Thompson or, You know Auburn getting Cam Coleman. Coleman. um, and you know, I I I don't think those two guys are really the same player, but you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, the guy that you want to get is is Ryan Williams. I mean, he is a generational player. I, I think it's you know can Auburn crow about you know. Cam Coleman, Perry Thompson, and, you know, if you want to crow about that, then we're going to start talking about Ryan Williams and McLaughlin or whatever the hell his name is.
1: I think
2: that's, (laughs) yes, I
0: think that's much more important.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree.
0: And... You know, I, I think Hampton. You know, here's your here's your stat, and then you can I'll tee you up for this. Then we can kick to basketball. And Ryan Williams and Jalen Mbakwe, both five star players. Mbakwe for Clay Chark- Chalkville, bleh. Ryan Williams for Sarah Land. They had all the touchdowns in the state championship game for both teams. <laughs> I mean, that that's that's just silly to think about, but it's crazy. I mean. And and hopefully, you know, if, if if it holds true, both of them are coming to Alabama, which is really, really exciting. But you know, let's 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 shift gears real quick. Um, you know, Hampton, I know you and I are big in basketball. William has even William has perked his ears up as the team gets going. I, I know Alabama basketball had a tough game against Purdue. They ended up losing, I believe, what, 92-86 86. Um, mm-hmm. Zach Edie is the seven foot four stay puff marshmallow man who can absorb contact and dish out contact, but no one knows it because he's a marshmallow man. And that's, that is as far as I will go being critical of officiating because Lord knows that's not what we do here. But, you know, Hampton, what was your big takeaway from this game as Alabama gets into probably the hardest part of the non-conference schedule?
1: Yeah. Uh, I, I will not talk about officiating as well um, I know there were a lot of complaints about it, and I feel like some of them were justified. Um, but I want to take, and you know, a look at from Alabama's perspective. How do I view this game going as a as an indicator going forward for this team? And I think after the first few non-conference games, where we you know Alabama scored a um, hundred points three times in a row. At uh, the start of the year, then they had um, 98, the fourth game. I think everyone kind of thought, oh, Alabama's offense is going to be better this year, um, even than last year, uh, which was a historic um, offensive team um, at the capstone. But then you play Ohio State, who's the best team you played, and your defense was awful. Uh, you play Clemson um, in the acc SCC Challenge. You struggle with them and lose. Um, because you don't shoot it well, but also because your defense is really bad. And I think as a basketball fan, I can live with Alabama losing if they don't make threes. That's going to happen. That's basketball. What I can't deal with is poor defense and um, poor defense, lack of effort, lack of intensity. And what I saw yesterday was a team that lost the game, partly due to Zach Edey being a man mountain, uh, partly due to Purdue shooting the ball better from three in the second half than Alabama did. But the effort and the intensity that Alabama played with is championship caliber. And I think they showed yesterday that when they play up to their potential, they can play and compete with anybody in the country. Um, I know Grant Nelson came into that game at less than 100%, and I think he kind of faded – as the game went on, um, he only practiced on Friday. um, So I think that kind of showed some um, of his limitations from a health perspective. Um, But you only lose by six with, you know, he's arguably your second, third best player um, playing like that. But I thought Mark Sears was absolutely phenomenal. He had 35 points. Um, Aaron Estrada played pretty well. Um, Rylan Griffin, I thought, had a really nice game. Um, looked a little more comfortable offensively, but also on the defensive end before, he's probably Alabama's um, best one on one defender. Um, the rim protection is still an issue, but I did think Waggy and Pringle probably had their best game um, from a rim protection um, perspective. Um, and I think they just need to continue to improve, um, continue to work and focus on their defense because the offense is good enough. The defense is what has to come a long way for this team to be able to compete in the SEC and compete to win an NCAA tournament. So overall, I'm really encouraged by what I saw because I think I don't think Alabama's going to play a team that has a seven-four center again for the rest of the year, and I think that's what caused a lot of the issues for Alabama in that game. But Um, Great effort, great intensity, and I think it showed that they're heading in the right direction, they're getting better, and I'm anxious to see how they respond versus Creighton because um, they have Creighton and they have Arizona. They need to win at least one of those games, in my opinion, um, for strength of schedule, but also um, to give them a little bit more confidence heading in uh, to the conference schedule.
0: Definitely. It'll be great to see how Alabama responds. And before we get out of here, Last thought from New Hampton. I promise. Go ahead and if fans liked listening to you on the podcast, you know, give your give yourself and give your crew a little bit of a promo for us.
1: I sure will, man. Well, I just want to say uh, I appreciate the opportunity to come on here and talk Alabama football with you guys. Um, it's been an absolute blast, and um, hope everyone's and enjoyed the conversation. And uh, we are so close to that Michigan game, and I can't wait to. Uh, watch it play on the field, dive into it a little bit more, and uh, preview it on the Pigskin Cafe. As Thomas said, uh, me, my buddy Chase, and Graham have our um, have our podcast that we do once a week, um, previewing and reviewing games uh, all around college football. Be sure to follow us on YouTube or subscribe to us on YouTube at the Pigskin Cafe. You can find us on Spotify as well, and then you can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the Pigskin Cafe. Uh, we enjoy hearing from everybody um, and kind of engaging in conversation around something we all love, which is college football. So, Thomas, uh, you are the man. I appreciate you having me on. And um, it's been a pleasure to talk to William as well uh, for the first time and get his insight and a uh, great show.
0: Well, I appreciate that. Now I'm gonna. I've got to do my promo, so I'm gonna. I'm gonna upstage you, sir. It's my show.
1: Oh man, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. You, I,
0: you know, feel, uh, thank you so much for listening BAM, to Bam's Radio, uh, listeners. Know you can always ask questions, come at us on Twitter at Bam's Radio. Uh, I know I had a couple last week that came in a little after we recorded, but for us, it's just a chance. You know, if somebody comes in and we hadn't talked about it. I can text William and Drew, and I'll get back to you as quick as I can on Twitter. Uh, Support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash bamsradio. And we will be back next week, probably doing a little bit deeper dive in Michigan. We'll see. You know, of course, Alabama will play Creighton, as Hampton and I have talked about, but That's it for this episode of BAM's Radio. So for William Redfish Barger, for Hampton Sipper of the Pigskin Cafe, I am Thomas Watts. This has been another great episode of BAM's Radio. We'll see you next week. Good night and roll tide.